ended up for X. Hey, remember that Chinese bio lab they found in California? We're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the Amish. Mm. And we're starting a new book tonight, Treasure Island. Oh, cannot wait. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Monday, 10 o'clock in the morning, and off we go on the eastern seaboard anyway. Ah, oh, man, what a weekend. We went out yesterday with Miko and uh, went to Dessa Park City, which is a dog-friendly park, huge lake, big walkway all around it, met lot. There were so many Shiba Inus there. It was insane. Anyway, Ground Zero, Hal 9000, popping in the chat. Good to have you along for the ride. Thanks, Hal. Uh, we got so much crap going on. It is just unbelievable uh, how much stuff happened in the last 48 hours. And even overnight last night, I'm telling you, it's just been absolutely nutsoid. And we will tell you about it all on tonight, today's show. Right now, though, let's just take a few seconds to tell you about the good folks at Blackout Coffee. We talk about them all the time. They pay to be here, but we are so proud to have them as a sponsor because they are an all-American company. Folks, you're tired of the same old liberal-flavored brown water crap coffee you drink. Try something new. Try something different. Try something fresh-roasted, robust, never bitter, always strong, just like it says right there, Blackout Coffee. We love blackout coffee. I personally recommend it. I drink four, five, six, seven cups a day some days on really rough ones. <laughs> it's a company that is 100% committed to uh, American values, traditional family values, and making a good cup of coffee. Sort of sourcing the beans from local co-ops and American farmers to their roasting process, their shipping, customer support. Blackout Coffee has an amazing work ethic, and they are dedicated to you, and they're dedicated to this country. Uh, zero compromise on taste and quality. Do, my, uh, do me a favor. Just pick yourself up a single bag. Try it out at Blackout Coffee. Link's in our show notes. And uh, ditch the other guys blackout coffee they remain true to our core values this uh, take a look some of their signature blends here they've got coffee pods too they have a bunch of different teas hot cocos and uh, brutal awakening that's one of my favorites morning reaper smooth finished pitch black espresso good good stuff Covert Op Cold Brew, that's nice. There is a decaf, not a big fan of decafs, but if you are, still a great tasting coffee with these fresh roasted beans. And the Coffee Hunter, hmm, fresh roasted coffee. Here's what happens. When you place your order, within 24 to 48 hours, they roast the beans, then another few days to ship them to you, and that's it. They're at your door, and that's absolutely fresh roasted. You don't know how long that other junk you buy has been on the shelf, how long ago the beans were roasted with blackout coffee. You're not only supporting a company, there's the uh, Derek who runs the place. Uh, not only are you supporting a company, 
that supports our values, but you will get a great deal when you use our promo code. Use the link in our show notes if you like for Blackout Coffee, and or you can use our promo code J20 at checkout. You'll get 20% off your first order. 20% off your first order. That is a hell of a deal. Blackout Coffee. I thank you, Blackout Coffee, for hanging out. Uh, once you go black, you'll never go back. <laughs> All right, Hal. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, you've, you've, you've actually stumped me. I have no comeback for that, okay? <laughs> you win. X formerly known as Twitter. I hate saying that because by now everybody, I mean, come on, get over it. But they have been going through some crap. Well, George Soros's Media Matters is the evil power behind most of the fake news. Soros has his tentacles in every entity that is destroying this country. Media Matters basically is the enemy of you and I, the people, patriots, uh, truly, true Americans in our heart of hearts. Elon, <laughs> he made this post. There's a link in our show notes. The split second on Monday, today, X Corporation will be filing a thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters. Yes, and all those who, collude, who colluded in this fraudulent attack on our company. Wow. That would be just about now, I would think, 10 o'clock on the East Coast. The courts are open. You got another, what, three hours on the West Coast. But uh, yeah, he's had it and he is fighting back. He's got a big battle ahead of him because, you know, it's George Soros's money. And if anybody has enough money to compete, it would be Soros and compete with Elon, that is. But Elon's not putting up with his crap. Uh, Chris Pavlovsky who is the CEO of Rumble, where we are, and very, very proud to be part of this platform. He, uh, he posted on X, when I said the cavalry is coming, I wasn't joking. In the coming days, we, Rumble, are going nuclear, thermonuclear as well. Everyone is about to witness the greatest pushback against the censorship regime. The people's support for all organizations in this mission is critical. And again, Chris posted uh, the Elon post about, uh, and this, you gotta read this post from Elon. It, it's very small on the page, but go to the link. It's in our show notes and you will see. And like I said, even the head of Rumble, the great Chris Pavlovsky, uh, is not putting up with any of this media matter crap. Fact check. Israel is a thermonuclear armed terrorist state. Reveals goals. Oh, goat slaves murder kill death. 
Hal, you are a little bit spicy there today, huh? Take a deep breath. Take a few, you know, longs. Let it out slow. My goodness. Check this out. Here is some of the crap that these communist bastards at Media Matters have done in the last 48, 72 hours. This is from Jack Pozo over on X. They created accounts and gamed the X server to create false impressions for their post. This is not journalism. Not that anyone would accuse Media Matters of being journalists. It's a hoax. Media Matters created three accounts on and followed 30 accounts similar to the ones in the article. They then constantly refreshed the timeline of posts 13 times the number of ads served to this user as opposed to the median. 50 impressions served against the content in the article. Out of 5.5 billion served the whole day. Points to the fact of how efficiently our model avoids content for advertisers. Data wins over allegations. Well, there you go. They play a dirty game. They have always played a dirty game. And until somebody stops them, they're going to continue to play the dirty game. Folks, if you're not helping to support X, I mean, we love you supporting Rumble. Thank you so much for being here. By the way, if you want to help support this show, you can I don't know, go to Blackout Coffee, buy a bag of coffee beans. You can join us over on our Locals channel if you want. Uh, subscribe over there, or just simply hit that follow button. It's free. Follow the show. It's absolutely free, free Rumble account. <clears throat> this is a post from Travis. It's Travis underscore in underscore Flint. I assume he's from Michigan. It's just words on a page, but you need to hear about these commie morons. David Brock, the founder of the far left group Media Matters. He was an avid conservative back in the 90s, even exposed Bill Clinton, which led to a lawsuit against Clinton. And then, just like magic, switched. Immediately became Hillary's biggest supporter out of nowhere. He went so far in 2001, even exposed his source in the Clinton scandal. He was all in on Bill and Hillary. After switching sides, he decided to announce he'd risen above the character attacks. Instead, it appears he decided to attack and destroy anything that goes against the Clintons. He founded Media Matters in 2004. And since then, the main goal apparently is nonstop attacks on everyone and anyone who is an enemy of the Clintons. Some of his employees complained back in 2016 that the entire company had become Hillary's PR firm. This man wants to, the world to believe he's changed, he's a good person. The reality is he has made a career out of destroying his enemies. 
Well, he's met his match. Elon Musk, going to give him the fame he's always wanted. Not in a good way. Cannot wait to see how this lawsuit plays out. There's the commie bastard now. Not that I really want to give him any more publicity than he already has. I'm hot, too hot to handle, says Hell. You know what? This morning, you are I, <laughs> far too hot to handle. Anyway, please support X. If not financially, go there, contribute, post, like, share. It all helps. It really does. There's a whole list, by the way, you can find it on the net, of the companies who have pulled their advertising from X. Well, a lot of other companies have said, screw you. Companies and individuals who are pledging ad spends on X in support of free speech because of the misleading Media Matters hit piece and a whole lot of comp big ones, Apple among them, pulling ads. But a lot of people have stood up. Now, I'm certainly in no position to do that. You likely are not either. But some of these guys are, these content creators. Tate, you know, Cobra Tate, a million dollars a month he has pledged to advertise. And in fact, the last thing I saw Tate post was that he's pledging to advertise X on X. So double whammy. Quarter of a million from the Babylon Bee. Wow. Another quarter million from Tim Cast. Tim Poole over there. Great show. TWC Health, 150,000 a month. Benny Johnson Media, 50,000. 40 grand from Censored.TV. The quartering, 25,000. 20,000 from Keith Gross, Florida. Hodge Twins, love their show too, Hodge Twins. Nice job. 15,000. 10 grand from Donut Operator. Now there is an account you need to follow. Donut Operator is a wild and crazy guy posting police videos and stuff like that. It's very cool. Good follow. Uh, Elijah Safer, 2,500 bucks. Prager University, that already advertises, is going to continue to advertise heavily. So there you go. Wow. These people are standing up. And we salute you. I could only wish I was in a position to do something similar. I, Like I said, sadly, I am nowhere near being in that position, but good on you guys, and thank you. All right, you remember a story not so long ago about this Chinese biolab, which they found in California with all kinds of nasty crap inside. It was a secret, illegal, Chinese-owned biolab. And Kevin Kiley from California requested an investigation by the House. Yesterday, the Select Committee and the Chinese Communist Party released a very disturbing report. 
Listen to this. The lab was run by an international fugitive from China named Jiabei Jesse Zhu. Running various state-connected companies in China, he then moved to Canada, set up dozens of corporations to steal valuable American intellectual property and unlawfully transfer it to China. Supreme Court in British Columbia found he committed fraud on an epic scale. $330 million judgment. He then fled to America, assumed the alias David, and he set up a whole bunch more companies, including the one behind the Biolab. It's been nearly a year, folks. Code Inspector happened upon some suspicious warehouse in Reedley, California. If you forget the details, she found a lot of Chinese nationals wearing white lab coats, glasses, masks, latex gloves, and thousands of vials of biological substances and a thousand mice. They were transgenic mice, genetically engineered to catch and carry the COVID-19 virus. Further inspection found blood, tissue, bodily fluid samples, and serums, along with thousands of vials of suspected biological materials. Some were labeled with the names of infectious agents. Others were labeled with some sort of code that no one was ever able to decipher. Wow. What was this lab for? Supposed to be selling test kits, according to the paperwork. Obviously, that's not quite the whole story raises the question what the true purpose of this lab was all about, given the fact it's criminal operator receiving unexplained payments via wire transfers from Chinese banks. Hmm. This report says no one knows whether there are unknown biolabs, other ones, besides anywhere in the country because no one is monitoring it. Here is just some of what was found inside that lab. Wow. That report from that select committee just came out. It's been almost a year and that report just came out. Damn. Speaking of COVID, the Amish, you know, there are days, a lot of them, where I think, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Amish, but they are of a faith and a belief system, and I don't pretend to fully understand the Amish, but it is my understanding what little I have that they don't believe in using power, any modern conveniences, including cars. You've seen the horse and buggies, you know, television, internet, those kind of things. They also don't vaccinate their children. And the government, our government, 
has been studying the Amish for decades. In the Amish community, listen to this. There is no autism. There is no ADD. Autoimmune diseases. Nothing found in the Amish. And again, I repeat, the Amish do not vaccinate based on religious grounds. They're true. I mean, any vaccinations. They have been studying the Amish for decades. The question is, why hasn't the government published these findings? People are, are to like totally unvaccinated. Is that con like where where do you find? Is it just the uh, parents that stepped up and said? I would think that's a very small percentage because no, so many of us blindly followed, you know, uh, the recommendations to vaccinate children. Yeah, it's, uh, it's less than one percent of the public. So uh, the Amish are a perfect example of a uh, large uh, group of people who are uh, largely unvaccinated. And there's no autism. We can't find an autistic kid who was unvaccinated. It's very, very rare in the Amish community. Very, very rare. You won't find kids with ADD, with autoimmune disease, with panda pens, with epilepsy. You just don't find any of these chronic diseases in the Amish. And, you know, the U.S. government has been studying the Amish for decades. But there's never been a report out to the public. The reason, of course, is it would it would show that, oh, if you don't follow our guidelines, you're going to end up healthier. That's why there's no report after decades of studying the Amish. There's no report because the report would be devastating to the narrative. It would show that the CDC has been harming the public for decades and saying nothing and burying all the data. People. Are there you go. <laughs> they won't make a report because it would basically show the CDC has been doing all they can to keep you and I addicted to big pharma products, sick, unhealthy. If we were all healthy, we wouldn't need them anymore. Just like the Amish, they don't need them anymore. The government is, however, doing something about the Amish. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's disgusting. I put underneath the Amish header in our show notes down there. That cut I just played. There's a link to that on X. But also this from Wall Street Apes, at Wall Street Apes on X. <clears throat> the Amish Farmer. There is a documentary out there that you must see. It's a pleasure to watch. It's very well filmed. But the information inside? Whew. Amish farmer who the government served with a warrant and raided for selling raw milk. I, folks, I have drank milk fresh from the cow. And when I say fresh from the cow, yeah, that's what I mean. When my grandfather was teaching me how to milk the cows, oh yeah, there's nothing better. The farmer would not, this is an Amish farmer who doesn't believe in that crap. For whatever religious, fine, I, you do you. Would not vaccinate his livestock with these poisons from the government. 
So they raided him. They criminally charged him, shut down his meat sales, seized all of his food, and that food fed 500 families, hauled everything to the dump. This is your government at work, at their finest. Quote, they just raided everything. We can't touch it. We can't sell it. We can't feed our families. We can't give it away. Can't feed it to the dogs. We can't do anything with it. They just took it to the dump. Second link under that heading, the Amish, in our show notes, will get you to this. This is very long. Uh, I'm not going to play the whole thing, just give you a little taste of it. But this is part of that documentary. There's a two-part. This ain't right. We had all this meat. We worked hard to get it in the freezer, process it, package it. The next day, they came with a search warrant, went through everything, house, every building in the barn. They just raided through everything. We can't touch it. We can't sell it. We can't feed our family. We can't give it away. Can't feed it to dogs. We can't do anything with it. They just took it to the dump. You have to keep going because people are depending on this stuff as their medicine. I want this world to have the opportunity of finding real food. You're about to hear. Wow, that's part of that report. It's about seven minutes per, for each section. I strongly encourage you to check it out. That's the Amish, and they won't leave them alone. If they won't play the game the government's way, they'll come in and destroy them. These people who want for nothing, they don't want to bother, and they don't want to be bothered. And yet, the government is popping their fat-ass nose where it doesn't belong and doing what our government does best. Believable. All right. What else we got happening here? Uh, Hal says I should be dead, according to the uh, family WHO, who still wants me to be vaxxed. Eh, stand strong, pal. All right, Wide Awake Media made this post and uh, caught my eye. Mm, this is about the premiere of Alberta, Canada. But remember what I said, it's happening in Europe. It's happening, it's going, it's gonna, it's in Canada, CBDCs, digital ID, all that other bullshit. And it is just a matter of time before it's right here on your doorstep. You better be prepared because it's absolutely gonna happen. I know that everybody thinks that this economy is going to be operated on wind and solar and battery power. It cannot. Premier of Alberta, Canada, Danielle Smith, pulls the plug on Net Zero's pipe dream. And that is exactly what it is, a pipe dream. I want to talk about batteries for a minute because I know that everybody thinks that this economy is going to be operated on wind and solar and battery power, and it cannot. There is no industrialized economy in the world operating that way because they need baseload. And I'll tell you what I know about batteries because I talked to somebody who was thinking of investing in it on a 200 megawatt plant. One million dollars to be able to get each megawatt stored. That's 200 million dollars for his plant alone, and he would get one hour of storage. 
So if you want me to have 12,000 megawatts of storage, that's $12 billion for one hour of storage, $24 billion for two hours of storage, $36 billion for three hours of storage, and there are long stretches in winter where we can go weeks without wind or solar. That is the reason why we need legitimate, real solutions that rely on baseload power rather than fantasy <coughs> thinking. And I am not going to engage in fantasy thinking and say something is possible when I know that my principal job... I, I think we need to stop. My principal I, job yeah. is to have a reliable yeah. energy grid. That's what I'm trying to do. See? You see how they try and shut her up when she speaks the truth? There you go. That is the premiere of Alberta, Canada, and we need more leaders exactly like that one. Danielle Smith. You Canadians... In Alberta, you are lucky. You are damned lucky to have that lady at your back. We need more Danielle Smiths, a lot more. Man. Okay, it's time for the controversial. I mean, it's all controversial, but this one, for some reason lately, has really divided a whole lot of people. Uh, are the Palestinians and Hamas of two minds really you know the narrative is oh well it's the people of Gaza it's not Hamas okay here are the Palestinians recently reacting to the Hamas terrorists carrying the trophy bodies of raped and murdered Israeli women through their enclave. Cheering, shouting, That's them. A new poll by Arab World for Research and Development. Arab World for Research and Development, a Palestinian research group, finds 75% of Palestinians support not only Hamas, but specifically support that attack October 7th. 59% of them strongly support the attack. Other highlights of this survey, 98% more proud to be a Palestinian because of the attacks and is, uh, Israel's counteroffensive. 75% believe Hamas will win the war. Of all the groups involved in the conflict, Palestinians are the most supportive of the Al-Qassam Brigades, which are the ones who conducted the actual attacks October 7th. And every single poll respondent rated both Israel and the U.S. as a zero out of 100. 
99% in this poll, 99% say they will never forgive Israel for its actions in the war. But remember, they're very proud of what Hamas did on October 7th. Huge majorities in this poll said the war had made them more committed to a one-state solution from the river to the sea. Look, I have every sympathy for all of the truly innocent lives caught in this crossfire. But at the same time, this polling is rather clear, rather obvious. Palestinians as a whole, a high percentage of them, support terrorism, Hamas, hate America. And on top of that, based on their prediction that Hamas will win, they're not terribly smart either. And while we're on the subject, if this idiot government lets a single one of these refugees into our country, you better do all you can to help fight against that. Call your congressman, whatever needs to be done, and let them know you're not into it. And by the way, just in case you needed reminding, here are the Palestinians celebrating the 2001 collapse of the World Trade Center. Atmosphere, the V sign for victory being displayed uh, in uh, East Jerusalem today among jubilant Palestinians uh, that the United States had been subject to this attack. What are we to make of that, Jennifer? Um, are we to, uh, Yasser Arafat may issue this condemnation. Look at this. We're seeing uh, people applauding, clapping, smiling, uh, happy to, to know that thousands of Americans have died in this sneak attack. And there you see a V for victory sign uh, held up to the camera. Just in case you needed a reminder. I don't think likely that you did, but you got one anyway. <clears throat> More information, by the way, on that poll. And I purposely used this left-leaning RAG website and alleged journalists, they're not, MSN, so that, you know, we had a balance between... It's not all conservative websites on this show. I take my sources from a whole lot of different places. This actually is from msn.com. And this relate Now, they twisted to take the edge off, of course, because that's what these commies do. But here's an article about that Palestinian poll, if you don't believe what I'm telling you. Let's check it out. It's right there from MSN. And so it goes. Mitch McConnell, speaking of things that must go, this traitor, you know the January 6th tapes have all been released. It is so obvious now, not that it wasn't anyway in the past, but it's extremely obvious now that January 6th was nothing, even close to an insurrection, let alone a violent insurrection. The January 6th political prisoners, every single one of them needs to be released immediately, their records expunged, 
and probably paid very handsomely for the bullshit the government put them through. Trader McDonald called January 6th a violent insurrection and then fought to put Cheney and Kissinger on the January 6th committee. He called the J6 certification his most consequential vote. Look at this traitor. Well, let me give you my view of what happened January the 6th. And we're all, we're here. We're here. We, we, we saw what happened. It was a violent insurrection for the purpose of trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power after a legitimately certified election from one administration to the next. <laughs> That's what it was. With regard to the suggestion that the RNC should be in the business of picking and choosing Republicans who ought to be supported, uh, traditionally the view of the National Party committees is that we support all members of our party. Yeah, okay. You know what? I've just about had it with this traitor. This, look, if there was ever an argument for term limits, that's one of the biggest ones. More problems. Thank you, Border. Listen to these facts on fentanyl. You know, fentanyl. Thank you, China. Thank you, Joe Biden, and your God open border. 2.2 pounds of fentanyl. 2.2 pounds of fentanyl is enough to kill up to 500,000 people. Last week, Border Patrol seized 300 pounds of fentanyl in Tucson, Arizona. 14,300 people caught crossing the border into Tucson last. 14,000 over last week alone. Included in that group of 14,000 over people, armed men, smugglers, known criminals. And this is just one section of the border. This is three hundred pounds. Do the math. 2.2 pounds can kill a half a million people. This is 300 pounds. That's a state. That's a big state. Thank you, Biden. Thank you, Biden administration. Thank you, Obama. All the people pulling Biden's strings because obviously he's just brain dead. Very nice. That's what they're giving us. Unbelievable. Hey, look, there's been a lot of bad news. The show's been jam-packed full of bad news, but I did make a list so that you wouldn't all be all depressed. Oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, okay, it is, but there are still reasons to be optimistic. If you hadn't seen, you must have seen, because it was all over the net. Argentina, oh man. They just elected an anti-socialist economist, Javier Millet, 
in a landslide. And by the way, might I add, there was in-person voting and they managed to count all the votes in less than 24 hours. And there you go. Congratulations, Javier Malay, in your lens. He is an incredible conservative and he will make the big difference in Argentina. Uh, and there's great footage, by the way, posted all over the net of the socialist supporters. And they're all crying their little liberal tears. Oh, which I, I drink up and love it. It's so tasty. All right. Trump has beaten Biden in every recent poll that's been taken, and more good news. The right-wing AFD surging in Germany. It's starting, folks. Anti-immigration party, part of the government in Sweden for the first time. Anti-WEF farmer party just pulled off a huge upset in the Netherlands, and they are surging. Man, Le Pen's party surging in France. You see, what did I tell you? Every single one of these is not bad news, even though there's a lot of it. There's a lot of good news right now, too. Hundreds of thousands in Spain marching against the socialist coup. Wow. Goes on and on and on. And thank God for that. So you see, there is some, there's some pretty decent news out there. All right, I got one more for you because we, we, as you know, we always like to, before we get on with our book, we like to um, spread you a little, a little good news. I just did a whole list of good news, but I got a cute video I wanted to show you because it's very cool. You see that picture? It's like a, like a pencil drawing. This is a, a little cafe, except that it's not a drawing. This is a live video, which I will play for you in a second. It's called the Monochrome Cafe, and everything in it is painted to give the illusion that it's actually a pencil drawing. Watch this. Where is my mouse? Watch this. You see? This is, not, this is live. Well, recorded live. And it's real. That's a real table and chairs. That's a real pillar. Look at that. Everything, including even the mirror, painted to look like a monochrome piece of art. And it's not. That's, that's actual live video. That is incredible. Imagine it would be so confusing to actually be in this place. I mean, you, it, it's a bit disorienting. It's very weird. <clears throat> okay. Hey, guess what? It's time. We begin a brand new book tonight, and I am so excited. Believe it or not, this book was published for the first time in November, in fact, November 14th, so just a week ago, in 1883, that's how long this book has been around. Wow. Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island, and we begin it 
tonight. Hey, before we get into the book, just please a quick reminder or two. Our Locals account over there, you can check out some behind-the-scenes exclusive video for subscribers. Costs like amount of a cup of coffee to buy me once a month over at our locals that's the red button down there if you want to join and also follow the show it's free just get a free rumble account sign up with your email it's easy it's quick it's cheap it's cheap it's free and then follow our show we really appreciate that all right you ready treasure island by robert lewis stevenson to the hesitating purchaser if sailor takes to sailor tunes Storm and adventure, heat and cold. If schooners, islands, and maroons, and buccaneers, and buried gold. And all the old romance retold, exactly in an ancient way. Can please as me they pleased of old, the wiser youngsters of today. So be it, and fall on, if not, if studious youth no longer crave. His ancient appetites forgot, Kingston or Ballantyne the brave, or Cooper of the wood and wave. So be it also, and may I, and all my pirates share the grave, where these and their creations lie. To Lloyd Osborne, an American gentleman who, in accordance with whose classic taste, the following narrative has been designed. It is now in return for numerous delightful hours and with the kindest wishes dedicated by his affectionate friend, the author. Part One, The Old Buccaneer. Chapter One, at the Admiral Benbow. Squire Trelawney, Dr. Livesine, Rest of the gentlemen, having asked me to write down the whole particulars about Treasure Island from the beginning to the end, keeping nothing back but the bearings of the island, and that only because there is still treasure not yet lifted. I take up my pen in the year of grace 17 and go back to the time when my father kept the Admiral Benbow in, and the brown old seaman with the saber cut first took up his lodging under our roof. I remember him as if it was yesterday. He came plodding into the inn door, his sea chest following behind him in a hand barrow, a tall, strong, heavy, nut-brown man, his terry pigtail falling over the shoulders of his soiled blue coat, his hands ragged, scarred with black, broken nails, and the saber cut across one cheek, a dirty, livid white. I remember him looking around the cove and whistling to himself as he did so, and then breaking out in that old sea song that he sang so often afterwards. Fifty men on a dead man's chest, yo-ho-ho, and a bottle of rum in the high, old, tottering voice that seemed to have been tuned and broken at the captain bars. And then he rapped on the door with a bit of a stick, like a handspike that he carried. When my father appeared, called roughly for a glass of rum. This, when it was brought to him, he drank slowly, like a connoisseur, lingering on the taste and 
still looking about him at the cliffs and up at our signboard. This is a handy cove, says he at length. Pleasant situated grog shop. Much company, mate. My father told him no very little company. The more was the pity. Well, then, he said, this is the berth for me. Here, you, matey, he cried to the man who trundled the barrow. Bring up alongside and help up my chest. I'll stay here a bit, he continued. I'm a plain man, rum and bacon and eggs is what I want. I'd head up there for to watch ships off. What you might call me? You might call me Captain. Oh, I see where what you're at there. Uh, he threw down three or four gold pieces on the threshold. You can tell me when I've worked through that, said he, looking as fierce as a commander. And indeed, bad as his clothes were, and coarsely as he spoke, he had none of the appearance of a man who sailed before the mast, but seemed like a mate or skipper, accustomed to being obeyed or to strike. The man who came with the barrow told us the mail had sent him down the morning before at the Royal George, and that he'd inquired what inns were there along the coast, and hearing ours well spoken of, I suppose, described as lonely, had chosen it from the others for his place of residence. And that was all we could learn of our guest. He was a very silent man by custom. All day hung around the cove or upon the cliffs with a brass telescope. All evening he sat in a corner of the parlor next to the fire, drank rum and water, very strong. Mostly he wouldn't speak when spoken to, only looked up sudden and fierce. Blew through his nose like a foghorn. We and the other people who came about our house soon learned to just let him be. Every day when he came back from his stroll, he'd asked if any seafaring men had gotten long by the road. <clears throat> At first we thought it was want of company of his own kind that made him ask this question, but at last we began to see he was desirous to avoid them. When a seaman put up at the Admiral Benbow, as now and then some did, making by the coast road for Bristol, he'd look at him through the curtain door before entering the parlor. He was always sure to be silent as a mouse when any such was present. For me, at least, there was no secret about the matter, for I was, in a way, a sharer of his alarms. He'd taken me aside one day and promised me a silver fourpenny on the first of every month if I would only keep my weathered eye open for a seafaring man with one leg and let him know the minute he appeared. Often enough, when the first of the month came round and I applied to him for my wage, he'd only blow through his nose at me, stare me down. But before the week was out, he was sure to think better of it. Bring me my fourpenny piece and repeat his orders to look out for the seafaring man with one leg. How that personage haunted my dreams. I need scarcely tell you. On stormy nights when the winds shook the four corners of the house, the surf roared along the cove and up the cliffs, 
I'd see him in a thousand forms, with a thousand diabolical expressions. Now the leg would be cut off at the knee, now at the hip. Now he was a monstrous kind of creature who never had but one leg, and that in the middle of his body. To see him leap and run, pursue me over hedge and ditch, the worst of my nightmares. And altogether I paid pretty dear for my monthly fourpenny piece in the shape of these abominable fancies. But I thought I was so terrified by the idea of the seafaring man with one leg. I was far less afraid of the captain himself than anybody else who knew him. There were nights when he took a deal more rum and water than his head would carry, and he'd sometimes sit and sing his wicked old wild sea songs, minding nobody, but sometimes he'd call for glasses round and force all the trembling company, company to listen to his stories or hear a chorus of his singing. <coughs> Often I've heard the house shaking with yo-ho-ho -ho and a bottle of rum, and the neighbors joining in for dear life with the fear of death upon them, and each singing louder than the other to avoid remark. For in these fits, he was the most overriding companion ever known. He would slap his hand on the table for silence all around. He'd fly up in a passion of anger at a question, or sometimes because none was put. And so he judged the company was not following his story nor would he allow anyone to leave the inn until he'd drunk himself sleepy and reeled off to bed. Which seems like a good place to open this story and call it for tonight. We'll continue on with the very first chapter of Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island, published back in 1883, almost to the day today. By the way, <clears throat> did you know, little piece of trivia, the this was not originally called Treasure Island. It, in 1883, when it was first published, it was called The Sea Cook, A Story for Boys. I have just a little piece of cool trivia for you. <laughs> All right, that's it. We're done. We're out of here. Thank you so much for popping by. Be sure and follow, like the show, join us, join our Locals channel, and I will see you all again tomorrow. Thanks, folks.